Brutal Designs. Oi! This episode of the Brutal Reality Digest Online Podcast is brought to you by New World Designs, Vancouver's finest selection of retro-inspired fashion. Located on West Hastings Street, New World is locally owned and operated in just plain radical. They strive to bring the best in vintage reproduction brands such as Collective, Voodoo Vixen, Hell Bunny, Band Apparel, Betty Page Clothing, and more. They can also hook you up with accessories like jewelry from local designers. Aw, yeah! New World Designs is also a recognized safe place by the Vancouver Police Department, as they are inclusive to all who wish to embrace this retro look. Don't live in Vancouver? Unfortunately, neither do I. Luckily, New World Designs now offers an online store. That's right. Head on over to nwdvan.com and she can ship your groovy new clothing right to your door. Still not satisfied? Tell your pals at Brutal Reality Digest sent you by using the coupon code STAYRAD and get a 10% discount. Now that's a spanking deal, folks. Once again, that's nwdvan.com or if you're lucky enough to live right in Vancouver, head on down to 434 West Hastings Street and say hello to Jen and her lovely crew. That's New World Designs. Welcome to Brutal Reality What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a very special episode of Bird Drop, the Brutal Reality Digest <laughs> online podcast. We are coming, I guess you can't really say live on location, but we are on location at Bo's, what is it called? Bar and Stage. Bo's I always want to say Bar and Grill. So I got, got my cohort here. Stuart, how you doing, buddy? Good day. <laughs> it's a good day. And we have Peter Michaels from 106.7. The drive. All right. Look at you. I love that. It sounds great. <laughs> Did I do all right? I got, <laughs> got a professional in our midst here, so the pressure was on. When does the professional show up? <laughs> He's coming later. Do, do I need to make room? Okay. <laughs> How's it going today, man? Uh, it's great. Thank you very much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, what's going on at the drive today? Uh, you know, things have been uh, a little slow. Uh, summer is usually a crazy time for us in radio, but uh, there's obviously lots of events that normally would take place that didn't take place. Um, so, uh, yeah, not quite as busy of a summer as we would usually have. Um, unfortunately, we did not to get all Debbie Downer right off the get-go, but, um, you know, we had some layoffs go through the company. A lot of radio uh, companies have faced layoffs throughout COVID, as so many other industries have uh, as well. So uh, it can be a little bit of a challenge right now. Businesses are hurting, and obviously we rely, rely on businesses for advertising to keep the doors open. So uh, challenging times for sure. Um, but it's still a, it's it's a fun business to be in. We're still connecting with people, um, so that that end of it is it's still going gangbusters. You're hanging on, All right, Stu? <laughs> so what are you up to today? I'm just enjoying this last, hopefully not, but last beautiful week of summer, which I feel we've been really blessed to get because we all remember how May started pouring rain constantly. This is glorious. I'm actually going camping this weekend. Oh, good for you. Um, yeah, looking forward to that quite a bit. It's, uh, th this time of year is, like, scary, and especially just with everything that we've been through yeah. this year. This year, obviously, we know this year has just been awful, but I find already, I've already got seasonal depression. Yes. Like, it's right. way too early. <laughs> like, I, I'll go out for a walk the dog at, like, 9 o'clock at night, and it's dark out, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, already? already? 
So I don't, yeah, I'm in for a long winter, I think. <laughs> it is really strange, too, because it, I felt like summer was over, like, about three weeks ago, then all of a sudden we got a bunch of 30-degree weather, and we're like, where did this come from? Like, yeah. wasn't complaining, but... No. <laughs> yeah, summer was a little bit of a late bloomer this year, for sure. Where do you where do you camp? So I'm going to be down in Kananaskis oh, nice. um, on Monday night, and uh, that's where I've been camping mostly this year. I haven't found the good other spots. I hear Nordic's good, too, though. Oh, yeah, if you haven't been out west of Nordic. Like Abraham Lake, there's a lot of great areas around there. Only driving past. Okay, yeah, definitely get out there for sure. Siffler Falls and Crescent Falls and all around Abraham Lake. Yeah, get the yeah, start writing that stuff down. <laughs> the show notes are just where Stu's going camping here. <laughs> uh, although that's been another uh, obviously issue with this weird summer is there's been a lot of people using that backcountry that maybe don't normally use it, um, yep. and the reports that you hear coming out of there, the amount of garbage and uh, overpopulation of of people out there. I just don't understand that, you know? Um, it's not that hard to pick up after yourself because you're carrying all your stuff in anyway. So how much could there be? Also, I was trying to find bear spray like a month ago for all this camping and sold out. Like everywhere in Red Deer. Well, that's because everybody thought the zombie apocalypse was coming and that maybe <laughs> bear, bear spray would have worked against the zombies a little earlier when all this stuff got going. Oh, we're hanging on, though. No zombies yet. <laughs> no, no. That's a big yet, though. <laughs> Still lots of year left, unfortunately. It's been a weird one. <laughs> I saw a gift the other day. Somebody had posted something about uh, September just kind of waiting in the weeds. Everybody thinking, okay, we've we've gotten through the worst yet, and September's just waiting over there with this big evil grin on its face. So who knows what we're going to face yet. Yeah, it's been insane, but let's talk about good stuff. Well, <laughs> so we're sitting here in Bo's barn stage, and it looks a little bit different. As uh, In case you're listening and you're not familiar, Bo's is probably what the – what would you call it, like a premiere stage in Red Deer? It's kind of like where all the good Canadian bands, like not quite big enough to play a play the yeah, play century, the, yeah. but. Uh, you know what, honestly, I'll, I'll blow a little smoke up Bo's butt here. Um, <laughs> it's one of the premiere stages in Canada. Like we, I mean, obviously we got to talk to a lot of the bands that come through and play here, uh, and they all absolutely love it. Like word has gotten out right across the country that Bo's is a spot that bands want to play. It's a great room. They get treated incredibly well here. Um, it's definitely a spot, a spot bands want to come to. Yeah, for sure. So what is the is 400 capacity? Oh, 400, yep. Yeah. yeah, so that's like yeah, that's like the bands that you would play on the radio. Like, well, you, radio like you just bands. talked about with up-and-coming Canadian bands, and I mean established ones as well. I mean, like even you look at some classic stuff like 5440 and Kim Mitchell have played in the room before. Um, 90s guys like Matthew Good, Big Wreck. Big Wreck in here was absolutely insane. So, and yeah, like Red Deer doesn't have much. I mean, you've got Bose at 400, you got the Memorial Center, which I think is around 750, right in that. And then from there, Centrium. Like, there's not much in between. So that, that's actually really great because you'll get some bands playing in this room that probably could play to bigger crowds, um, but we, we just don't have the, the venues in Red Deer for it. So, like, you know, again, like a band like Big Wreck can draw more than 400. Those shows sell out really quickly. Uh, so it's a real treat to get the, to see them in a room this size. And the Memorial Center is uh, sitting only, so <laughs> yeah. not the not, not, It's band. not conducive to rock bands, especially. No, I yes. would say not. Yes. Yeah, so who are who's some of the favorite bands you got to interact with when they came and played this place? Uh, you know, some of the, you know, when the Glorious Sons uh, have come through here, those guys were, were great and just absolutely destroyed in here. July Talk put on one of the best shows we've ever seen here. Um, 
we do uh, a feature with Bose and the Troubled Monk uh, called Beer in a Band. So we get uh, we get a band booked in to come in, and Troubled Monk brews up a beer for them, and then we have a big party. Uh, and so we've had some great bands. Colorado, uh, we did one year. USS, we did one year. And then last year, we had Black Pistol Fire. And I don't know if you guys have any uh, experience with Black Pistol Fire, but if you don't, I strongly recommend you write that one down. Uh, oh, and I've got my Black Pistol Fire shirt on today, too. Uh, it, it, they're two guys. It's just the two of them. And they're absolutely maniacal on stage. A real, based in the blues, real blues rock band. Um, they started out in Toronto. Didn't really get any traction in Canada, which is really strange. So they moved down to Texas and they went to Austin uh, and started developing a follow there. They got named as the band to watch at Austin uh, City Limits and, and the Austin Music Festival, uh, South by Southwest. Uh, so anyways, we were able to get them for beer in a band last year and they just, they just killed. Like the amount of energy to come out of two guys and uh, the, the drummer's really fun to watch because he's like, like, I'm not coordinated at all whatsoever. Uh, there's no way I could even keep just a simple beat. But there he is drumming away like a madman. And then he's actually got a keyboard on his right that he's doing like some bass because it's just guitar and drums. So he's kind of doing some bass lines with the keyboard on the other side while still drumming with the other hand and keeping perfect time. Like it's mind blowing. I, 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 I can't walk and chew gum. It, it's right. It's crazy. Um, so they're definitely, uh, and, and just great guys. You know what, honestly, every, every band that we've had the pleasure of interacting with that comes in here, I couldn't find a bad thing to say. Like no prima donnas, no big egos. It's, it's, all, been, it's all been great. Well, it's really cool too that just here in Red Deer, which sometimes feels you know, a bit pastoral, maybe not like it, you wouldn't think it would get as much traffic as Calgary or Edmonton. Yep. But yet something really cool is going on here. Um, I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, that You've managed to spend 20 years of your radio career <laughs> in Red Deer? How's that possible? I'm only 21. <laughs> uh, yes, it has been. I, I just hit the 20-year 20, 20 milestone earlier this year. That's pretty awesome. I, I, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> a lot of people might call it stuck in a rut, but... Well, I mean, that would... If I said stuck in a rut, that would not reflect on Red Deer too well. Right. But I am curious how much, like... Has Red Deer changed? Because I only moved here in 07. Yeah. So has it changed a lot, like, since you started? Yeah, it's or? like, you know, what's our population? It's just over 100,000 now. So when I moved here in 2000, I think it was just under 40. So, I mean, like, it's well doubled in size in the 20 years that yeah. I've been here. Yeah. Um, you know, we're sitting at Bowes, which I think, if I remember correctly, when I moved here, this would have been the edge of town. Or maybe just, you know, you got uh, Gates Avenue Crossing next to us here. Obviously, South Point Common, where the Walmart and the Home Depots and all that stuff was all just farmland uh, when I got to town. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, it's, yeah, there's been a lot of change over 20 years. And so you went to um, school or got training at State. Yeah. Correct? Okay. And between sort of when you did that and when you got to Red Deer, where were you at? Were you still in Alberta? Uh, yeah, I, well, sort of. Okay. This is sort of, and you'll see why. Uh, yeah, so I graduated uh, from SAIT in 1996, and then I was very fortunate when I was in Calgary at SAIT, um, Country 105, all the radio stations in oh. Calgary were great at hiring SAIT students on as whatever, practicum, uh, doing promotion stuff, you know, some of the grunt work. Uh, I actually started my radio career dressing up as a cow. <laughs> as you yeah. do. As you do, that's just the way it goes. So, they, yeah, the, the station mascot was a cow, the cash cow, so it started... Dressing up in that, uh, working the stampede, so wearing a costume at 35 degrees on the asphalt on the stampede grounds. You really got to want it. 
Is that um, sort of an example of cruel and unusual internship in, in radio or? Uh, no, I think worse? that was just, I always take the difficult path. So, and trust me, yes, no, there's worse. You actually brought the cows to the home. <laughs> yeah. The thing, that thing was, I like, I, especially in COVID times, thinking about that suit, like it never got washed. And there were probably, I don't know, five or six different radio students that would jump oh, wow. in and out of that thing all the wow. time. And it, uh, like, I think, I think costumes have come a long way or mascots have come a long way over the years. And they have like fans and different things built into them. But at that time, we had a vest that you would put on first that had ice packs, like two of them on either side. And that was it. And then just the ventilation of, I think, the eye holes might have had a little bit of... And yeah, so like you were just a sweaty mess. And you'd peel that costume off, and 15 minutes later, the next guy would jump into it and go out and do his shift. And, and you don't have that anymore, do you? I definitely do not have that anymore. I'm, well, uh, well. I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> no furry fantasies to be lived out here. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of disappointing. Uh, um... So in Red Deer, because we get obviously lots of up-and-coming acts coming through, and you've named many of them already. Now, I've always wondered, as someone who works in rock radio primarily, how do you uh, sort of deal with hearing so many songs over and over and over? And I'm talking about like the Welcome to the Jungles, <laughs> the Back in Blacks, yeah. nothing else matters. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a very common question. that Why do you play the same songs over and over and over again? ACDC has so many more songs than Thunderstruck. Which, which is true. Now, to answer your question, uh, I don't always hear what's actually playing on Beautiful. the radio. Oh, and, 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 and I mean, that's not, I mean, sometimes you tune it out, but I mean, in between songs, and, and things have changed a lot over the years, used to be you were answering a lot of phone calls before, right? So you didn't, or, you know, you're getting weather information or all that kind of stuff. And, and now, I mean, honestly, uh, basically you're texting. All the, the text right. has taken over as the main communication form with the radio station. So, I mean, there's a good chunk of the, of the show where I'm just responding to texts. Uh, and obviously that's our job is to connect with people and we want to have conversations with people. Um, so yeah, that's, there's often times where I'll, I'll get to the end of my show and I'll be like, damn, did I, I don't remember playing that. I'll look at my, my music log and see whatever song and I'm did I really play that today? I don't remember playing that today. So you don't hear it all the time. Now, the other side of that equation is, and I, I, I get the question of why do you play the same song all the time, but it's what people know. You have to yeah. go with what's familiar. If people usually, when they turn on the radio, they want to hear a song they know, they want to be able to sing along in their car. Um, I'll be honest, like, I think the typical radio listener isn't necessarily like a massive music fan, yeah. so they don't have, I, I call it the music vocabulary, yeah. where I think I get the feeling all of us are pretty big music fans. Our music vocabulary is huge. We could go like so deep into every artist's catalog and know every single song. But I think the average radio listener or even the average person, they have a small collection of songs that they know. Um, so you've got to be pumping those out. So we at The Drive, I've always tried to balance it out a little bit and try to sneak in the odd deep cut or thing that you don't hear too often. But there's no question, the more you kind of go off the beaten path, the worse your ratings go. Wow. Like I'll give you a great example, like stations that do the no repeat guarantees, the no repeat workdays, typically don't do very well in the ratings because their playlist is too big and there's too many unfamiliar songs to achieve that no repeat that those stations usually typically don't do as well. So. Interesting. And you haven't even mentioned the 
Canadian content laws as well, right? So that's why you get a whole ton of Nickelback and what's that one band with the, with the Start a Riot song? Three days, three days grace, three days, three days, grace. Three days yeah, grace, and and you know obviously with classic rock stations you'll hear a lot of rush and uh, like so yes we do have to play 35% uh, CanCon is the minimum. There are some stations that will play 40%, and they kind of did that as uh, so you have to apply for a license to get your your radio license, and some of them you know will we'll do 40%. Help us get this <laughs> license. Um, so. Yeah, that's uh, CanCon's a completely different story too. It's obviously got a lot of benefit and it's helped launch a lot of bands and you definitely want to give a leg up to your homegrown talent. Uh, but I've also felt that a song should get on the radio because it's a good song, not because it fulfills an obligation. And trust me, there have been songs that have made it onto the radio because it fulfills an obligation. Oh, I believe it. That was going to be a question was, was your own feelings on that, but I think Ultimately, it's a good idea, but I mean, because it, it's the same thing with like CBC television, right? You get all these Canadian shows. And a lot of them aren't the greatest shows, but then right. you get a lot of good stuff. Like, isn't Shit's Creek a Canadian? Shit's Creek is, yep, is Canadian. Like, tons of accolades. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, like a show like Corner Gas. Right. Like, we definitely have a lot of very talented uh, artists of all shapes and forms in our country, so it is nice to give them a little bit of a legs up, or a leg up. And, and I mean, the other thing is too is we're right next to a massive nation that cranks out a lot of entertainment, so it would be very easy for our people to get lost in that mix. So what right. I would, you know, I, there's pluses and minuses to having that CanCon requirement. What I would rather see happen is an emerging artist requirement right right because what good is it what good is the cancon rule doing rush rush is already is right nickelback has already made so much money that you know they there's only they so many it. hookers and blow that they can <laughs> use that money on right yeah. so i think if you had an emerging talent requirement of even say 15 percent of your playlist has to be new band bands that have just come out within the last year two years whatever the case may be and really give those bands a chance to to get up Right. And does the drive, like, do you guys do a local spotlight at all? We do. Yeah, we um, we have, we call it the Alberta Indie Spotlight. So it's a spot that we have for local bands that, uh, you know, give them a chance to get some radio play to get the, the feeling. Obviously, again, it's, it's if you're going to have your song on the radio, it could get played next to a Led Zeppelin song or an ACDC or a Nirvana yeah. song. So we can't, unfortunately, just have... Anybody just recording their basement and have it on? It's got to have some I was gonna production say, standards. Years ago, my drummer sent in one of my bands, and it was kind of we weren't quite a basement, but like maybe a step up from the basement recordings, and got a response back. It might even been you or someone, and it's like, uh, it's, I like the song, but it just need, the quality needs to be up a little bit. And yeah. Like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and the and the way I kind of look at it as well is a, a little bit of a it's it's almost like a almost like a farm system right. in, in in sports, right? So you've you've got to you got to you know, do your time in the trenches of the, you know, the, the minor leagues right. and work your way up. And, and radio is kind of the show, right? The, the radio is the NHL or the MLB or the NBA. So I think, you know, again, you want to help young artists grow and develop, especially young local artists. But we also have a product that we have to worry right. about. And it's got to, there's got to be standards. Yeah, and that's like a universal thing. That's why there's, you know, remaking Disney movies instead of, you know, cool indie films being right. on the dock at all because. People want to go to, or want to hear and want to see what they already know, yeah. which is crappy, but also makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but we've, uh, you know, and again, partnering with Bose uh, with 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 different things. We definitely try our best to give as much exposure 
to independent artists, especially from Alberta, as possible. So, yeah, our Alberta Indie Spotlight runs uh, every Saturday and Sunday, so we've got that spot set aside for it. Um, throughout the years, we've always tried to have some sort of new music feature to try to help boost uh, exposure for, for Canadian artists, and, yeah, that's, that's a fun part of the job as well. Do you feel like, uh, even in the time you've been in radio, the Internet and sort of that ability to put yourself out there has helped? indie bands and new bands get more exposure? Has that changed sort of for the better? Well, and, and 100% now, um, radio can be a little stuck up sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know why we sometimes have this maybe holier than thou, like, attitude. Um, but now it's even better for artists because you know what? You don't necessarily need radio anymore to, to break. You can, you know, with all the streaming services, uh, you know, the internet, you can, you can push yourself. So you can you can almost solidify your chances a little bit better. Um, so, you know, you come to us and say, look at this song's gotten 50,000 streams in three weeks. Like, why wouldn't you guys consider this? And, and I mean, obviously we have to look at that. There's that's, there's obviously a demand for that song. You have to you have to look at it. Well, like overwhelmingly, I, overwhelmingly, I know I stream and I listen to a lot of like Spotify and that kind of thing. But radio is still a huge medium as far as reaching people. So. That probably makes a big difference for a lot of folks. Yeah, and you know what? I can so many bands that I've talked to as well. Um, you know, because it is it's it is a challenge for radio right now. There are so many different avenues that people can get their exposure to new music and music altogether. So, but a almost every band that I talk to uh, talks about how if they have their song on the radio in a market, they have way more people at their shows than they do if they're not on the radio. So, for example, if you know, uh, you know, One Bad Sun's a good example of a band. Um, that they've said that exact same thing. They weren't, we started playing them, they're a Western Canadian band, we started playing them quite a bit out here, you know, probably six, seven years ago. They'll come out here and they'll come into Red Deer and they'll sell Bozo, 400 people. They'll go to Ontario, where at that time they didn't have as much radio play or any radio play, and they'll play to 25. So there's no question that radio still has a, a big impact. I can tell you that I get emails daily from bands asking, you know, for the exposure to get on, on the radio. We get. I don't even know how many dozens of songs every week sent to us to listen to for radio play. So wow. it's still definitely very, very important. It's, it reminds me of that old MTV effect, like back in the 80s and 90s when a band would see, like they get their first music video on cable, yeah. and then the audience in their concerts would just be completely different. A lot more girls, they, they would say, <laughs> yeah. usually. And, uh, you know, good for them. You have to good have the them. girls. You know, on, on the Tragically Hips last tour, uh, I remember Gore Downey telling the story, and I think it was just before they went into playing Ahead by a Century. Uh, but Gore talked about how when the hip was first starting, the, the, the small crowds that they would play to, uh, and then there's always be fights. It was just guys that were just fighting. It was whatever. And then, and then he said, somebody told us, we need the, you need the women. And then they did Trouble at the Hen House, which was a little bit softer of, of an album. And all of a sudden, the women came. And he said they noticed, like Gord they noticed their audience has changed from that moment on. So you have, to, the ladies have to be interested. So obviously you had an interest in rock and roll yeah. back in the day. And I was just curious, like what bands got you into music? What bands sort of changed you from just your average layperson to like someone who wanted to know more about music? It's probably gonna disappoint you, maybe. Maybe. Might be a little cheesy. Uh, my, my epiphany band was Motley Crue. Okay. So, uh, you know, I grew up in the early 80s, and uh, as it was, like, the new wave stuff was all really big in the early 80s. Uh, bands like Duran Duran, 
you know, obviously Michael Jackson and stuff were all dominating the pop world, which was, I, I listened to it. Um, but I can vividly remember uh, visiting my cousins in the U.S. And so they had MTV before I had MTV. Uh, and I can, I can still, I can picture it. I was in his basement. It was an unfinished basement. And I was kind of bored and we were talking or whatever. And I was just, I was wandering in between beams of, of two by fours in an, un, an unfinished wall. And Looks That Kill video was on MTV. And I just looked, what the hell is that? And I like, boom, I was hooked and became a huge fan. And then a couple of years later, they were not my first concert, but my first like real big concert. And uh, it was the Girls, Girls, Girls tour. And they had this big inflatable Harley behind the stage. Tommy Lee had his drum kit that came up and spun around and did all these wacky things. Nikki Six did his bass solo and he's chugging a 26 at Jack Daniels. <laughs> Some titties out in the crowd at 13. That was, so that like, and, and that hooked me. So that really is what really kind of set the course. And then, like everything, I evolved from there, right? Like, so it was all, you know, it was the, the, the Motley Crues and the Rats and the Quiet Riots of the World. And then I, you know, then I started discovering the Judas Priests and the Megadeths and the Metallicas and as, as it goes. And, uh, and that was, that was kind of my path. But, okay. but I should say, sorry, I should say, it started with the Beatles. My dad was a big Beatles fan. Okay. And he never, uh, he never forced the music that he listened to on us as kids, but it was always around. So it did, like, with so many, it started with the Beatles, for sure. And then kind of, and, and then I kind of developed my own. I was always Team Beach Boys. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but uh, just by what you're describing, do you think, was it the music itself or the larger-than-life personality? Well, really, really uh, yeah, there's, and, and again, that's why I say it's a little bit cheesy now, and I mean, I kind of look back on it and go, okay, well. And, and you know what, to their credit, Nikki Six will uh, agree that he's not the world's greatest bass player. Right, no. like those guys were not the world's greatest musicians, but they did. They had it all. I mean, this, obviously you have to have the songs, and the songs hooked me. But sure, all the you know the chains and the you know the big hair and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they, they, it was a spectacle, that, and I enjoyed that. So, obviously, we're all still big fans of rock music, but I mean, it, unquestionably, it's kind of it seems like it's dying. Like, look at all the <laughs> like people go, oh, look at all these awesome festivals, but you look who's headlining them. Yeah, sixty-year-old men are. You know, like, which I still love those bands. I'm just curious. Do you think there's any of those larger than life personalities in rock? I know you got your Conways or Conway. Conway Twitty. <laughs> Conway, Con yeah. Conway West. Kanye West. You know, in the rap scene, they're like, they're like, I mean, insane uh, uh, people. But. I mean, this is such a like a huge conversation. Um, but no, they're really like. I mean, even if you look at it from a guitar god sort of standpoint, you know. You kind of look back to Slash maybe as being like the last real true guitar hero because the 90s, and I love 90s rock, but the, the 90s rock wasn't about that kind of no. thing. And there's some great guitarists out of the 90s. Mike McCready is one of my favorite guitarists Morello. ever. Uh, Morello is definitely a guy that had his own thing going and his own. So Morello, I think you could probably include in that guitar mm -hmm. god or guitar hero chat. He's just definitely the most innovative. Guitar Very player. innovative. So innovative. Um, but yeah, you lost those larger than life personalities. And if you look at it, unfortunately, the pop world took it over, right? right. Like, you, you know, you th look at some of the things that Guns N' Roses said when they first came out or Sebastian Bach or Skid Row, uh, you know, they, they said some controversial things and made some headlines and didn't care. It was rebellion right. and that's what rock and roll was. But then all of a sudden it was Miley Cyrus that people were, it was Lady Gaga that people were right. talking about doing. So, I mean, really the, the pop stars really took on that rock persona. And you know, if. Geez, to think of an artist right now that has it, I, 
I don't know that you can really think of a rock artist that has. I think like the last one would probably be like Blink-182 when they really took off in like the late sure. 90s. Yeah. Like Travis Barker was kind of the crossover icon type of guy that, you know, he'd be on reality shows, but also, you know. And, you know, playing with album titles like, you know, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, like, you know, still had some of that kind of sleaze, dirty, rebellious, like, oh, that's bad kind of kind of thing. But, yeah, it's that's something that is definitely missing from the rock world now. And like you say, so many of those festivals get dominated by bands that have been around for so long. Like, where where are the new, where's the new breed? Where's the new crop? They are out there. They are. Uh, you got to search for them a little bit more. And the one thing, too, that I have found uh, over time is, you know, you get a band like Greta Van Fleet. And they're a band that did get a lot of notoriety, sounded exactly like Zeppelin. Right. And the problem with a lot of the... So you, we have to find something new, new that hasn't been done before because anything that's been done before is going to burn out quickly. Greta Van Fleet has already lost a ton of the, the hype that they had because it sounds just like Led Zeppelin and we're already so used to Led Zeppelin... It, it burns out a little quicker. You look at a band like, like Wolf Mother, yes. you know, uh, even Jet kind of in the early 2000s yeah. had that real ACDC Stones kind of. And if, when you first hear it, you're like, yes, that's real rock. They're making real rock. But it's real rock that's been done before. And right. so, again, I just I feel like it burns out a lot quicker because, yes, it's new, but it sounds just like the old stuff, which is great for a short amount of time. But then I always go, well, you know what? I if I want to hear Led Zeppelin, I'm just gonna go listen to Led Zeppelin. I don't need to hear a Led Zeppelin cover band. Right. So, so rock is in desperate need of finding similar to what happened in the '90s when Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all the grunge movement happened. It needs to find that sound that's big that's gonna catch everybody's attention, but is different from what came before. Uh, it just occurs to me that what you're talking about with the sleaze, with Motley Crue and stuff, um, it's not really encouraged. Because rock and roll isn't safe, right? Like, that's not really sort of encouraged in the mass media because then you're worried about, you know, um, losing listeners or whatever, right? Or losing fans. Yeah. And you don't want to be edgy, I guess. Imagine. Stuff going on well, I was back. just going to say, oh, imagine yeah. Motley Crue trying to come out now, oh, no. right? Like, <laughs> post Me Too. I'm, like, I'm still shocked the Dirt movie even got made and released in the, uh, today's environment. And certainly there's some things that, like, I mean, I wouldn't really miss when it comes to, like, <laughs> yeah. the, mis the mystique or whatever. But it, uh, rock and roll, like, back even to the, the 60s with the Stones and stuff, like, they had their hair long, you know, and they weren't dressing like everyone else. And they just had this rebellious spirit. Is it that hard to find that nowadays? Well, I think the problem is, is it got pushed so far. And, and now it's it's tough because it's I mean it's all been done. It's you've made it as rebellious and 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 gone overboard because it hit that point where it probably should have stopped. Yeah. And then how do you you just have to continually outdo yourself? And and it got pretty crazy. So it's right. I mean, go watch an '80s hair metal video. Like it yeah. was, uh, and that's just not going to fly in today's world, and it shouldn't. So again, it's tough. Like. Rock was based on rebellion. I mean, I know there's the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but I mean, really, rock was based on rebellion. Regardless, of, you know, go back to Elvis. Yeah. And how yeah, did Elvis yeah, yeah, get yeah, big? Yeah. It was younger kids that were rebelling against what their parents listened to. And so you still need that rebellious spirit, but okay, so the rebellion thing has already been done. What can we do different? Like, I don't, I, I honestly wish I knew what the answer was. I don't know. Well, I mean, 
things that work or things that clicked like 40 years ago probably aren't going to click today because things move forward. Not Everything's backwards. different. Yeah. But I mean, it would be like when you asked to think of like rock bands, I found myself thinking of metal bands, which I mean, because you see the innovation, you see it's more so about the instrumentals than like the pop feel yeah. and stuff. But they, uh, for all kinds of reasons, don't make it onto most radio and they're not really made. Yeah. Although I'm sure there's lots of people who would argue with me that like Wolbeat is mainstream, but we know what we mean. Like, are they getting the airplay that Metallica does? Yeah, and, and, and I mean Metallica is a separate example altogether. There's yeah. every, every genre has that artist yeah. that breaks through That's and it. just transcends the genre. You know, you could you could put Eminem on, and a rock listener is going to know it, a yes. pop listener is going to know it, a country listener is going to know it, maybe not love it, but so Metallica is one of those bands that transcends the genre so again like you look at the comparisons between metallica and megadeth right right which and obviously the bands have so much history why is it the metallica gets so much mainstream exposure when megadeth doesn't uh or, or you know even like a or, or an anthrax or any of the big four but metallica just for whatever reason obviously the black album had a lot to do with it yeah. transcends the genre so you have not just metal fans that like metallica you've got everybody so and it's interesting too just with them they sort of for better or worse refused to like pigeonhole themselves as a result of that they got that huge appeal but almost any fan can pick a part of their catalog and find something to relate to right 100% you gotta go back to the 80s or whatever oh I was going to ask you do you sing? <laughs> no uh, I, I mean, sure, in the in the shower, in the truck while I'm driving around, <laughs> hell yeah, I can belt them out with the best of them. Um, but I'm sure most ears would probably not be too happy with that. You, uh, did you mess around with instruments back in the day? Yeah, so I did. Uh, so I had a, a buddy of mine in high school that was a guitar virtuoso. Um, he was quite sickening, actually. Uh, and he had some problems uh, at his place, so he came and lived with me for a few weeks, and he was trying to teach me. And he was the type of guy that he could hear a song on the, on the radio once, and he'd be like, oh, okay, go grab his guitar, and he'd just start playing it. Um, so he tried teaching me the three weeks that he lived at my place, and it just didn't stick. And, I mean, probably one of the biggest uh, downfalls was I was trying to learn how to do Sweet Child of Mine because it would have been right, right around 1987, 1988. Uh, and the intro to that song is... Pretty impossible. <laughs> That's right. not a starter. No. Like, start with smoke on the water, <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't start with sweet child of mine. So, I, you know, I tried to to learn guitar. Um, it just it just didn't stick. Well, that first year of guitar playing is pretty uphill. I mean, you feel like you're never learning anything. Yeah. But then the other thing too, like your friend. I mean, how much time did he spend playing guitar? Oh, and for sure, he. I mean, a lot of it was just God-given talent. He right. he could just do it. But he, you're right. He also he worked at it. Worked night and day. Played all the time. That was his. That was his life. That's what he loved to do. Yeah, because he used to say about Van Halen, like he was the kid who would stay in the basement and play guitar in his room for for days, for months. And that whole thing about him being Van Halen was like years later. Right. But yeah, it's not an easy thing to pick up a guitar and. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I learned fairly quickly that, it, you know, playing music wasn't going to be my path, but I still love music so much and wanted to find a way. And, you know, obviously growing up in the 80s, I was a big radio kid and listened to the radio all the time. And, um, you know, I thought that that would be my, my involvement in the music world.
So what do you see uh, happening for uh, any big changes you see coming down the road for radio and like the, the near term here once we get through this weird time? <sighs> yeah, it's there's a report uh, that just came out yesterday. Um, you, you know, yeah, COVID did a, a pretty good number on, on radio revenues. Uh, again, on everything. Um, there was a report yesterday that came out that uh, projected that 200 Canadian radio stations will probably go silent over the next two to three years. Just because the revenue pie has dropped so much and it's going to take the entire country so long to come back out of this that businesses just aren't going to have the advertising spend uh, that they had before, uh, which is obviously devastating to, uh, to radio. So, yeah, I mean, the outlook is a little scary right now. I, I won't lie. Um, you know, it's a great it's a it's a great business. It's a great avenue to connect people. It's a great avenue to connect business with buyers, with music fans. It's it'll survive. It's not going away, um, but it will definitely face a lot of struggles. Uh, one thing you talked about earlier was the streaming, and one thing I really you know we get that all the time is oh well streaming must just be killing you guys, uh, and a lot of the research shows it, it isn't. And, and one of the things I I. I kind of think about that with is is it's no different streaming is really no different than physical album ownership was sure. all throughout time so when, when I grew up in the 80s I listened to a, a ton of radio but I also bought all the albums I mean Motley Crue sold 40 million copies of Dr. Feelgood that's a lot of people that have Dr. Feelgood CDs to listen to but they're still listening to it on the radio it, it was shared listening so I you know what I'm exactly the same I listen to the radio a ton especially when I'm driving we know that that's where most people are going to be listening and yeah I got Spotify when I'm at home and I'll listen to some of my favorite artists that way so I just I don't that's always been that way whether it was you would listen to radio and people would listen to CDs uh, people would listen to radio and listen to cassettes people still had vinyl but still listen to radio at the same time I think streaming is just the natural progression of that yeah. definitely say based on my own experiences that CDs are CDs are over. <laughs> but give it 10, 10 years. Well, you never know. I, I mean, I, I think I just saw a stat where cassettes outsold vinyl for the first time this year. Even like vinyl sales are great, but cassettes are having a huge comeback. And my kids who are in their teens, it's novel, right? Right. I, so I have my I still have a, my my Walkman. I still have a Walkman and a Discman. Uh, and they they spent a few weeks being oh this is pretty cool i still have all my old tapes from a kid too right. so then they'd so whatever i think it's a fad uh the vinyl thing is going to keep going vinyl is i mean you just can't beat the vinyl experience but cassettes are a bit of a fad right now and and whatever It'll, i heard of somebody just making an eight track record yeah see and that's one that i can't <laughs> like eight tracks i don't i can't see that being a thing no. i remember i had a 1979 firebird when i was a kid and it had an eight track but I, and i had this big clunky uh, converter that would play cassettes. So you'd pop a cassette into the top of it and then the eight track park in and you could listen to the No, eight tracks are not. <laughs> I hope they don't eight, come. Eight tracks aren't making a comeback. <laughs> I just thought it was neat that somebody actually did that. Where would you even like, who would even be able to play it in 2020? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but you can still find them at garage sales and That's thrift true. stores all over the place. Get them now before the resurgence. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what they look like. You know what's funny is, uh, in, and even when I started in radio, all the uh, commercials used to get played on eight tracks. So they're actually called carts. They were pretty right. similar, not exactly like an eight track, but that was yeah. You'd have all like these little cartridges, little cartridges yeah. and you'd like plug them in, one. and that's where you'd grandpa had one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little bit older than you. Well, he was. <laughs> but yeah, um, we're gonna let you get back to work. But is there any final messages? Like, where do you think the 
What do we have to look forward to in 2020? That it being all doomed. Uh, you know, like I would love to see, obviously, shows come back. And, and, and I do believe that there is good music coming. Um, because, like I said before, we've got a lot of creative and very talented artists and musicians in this country that haven't been doing a whole lot over the summer, but have time to yeah. write and think and record, hopefully. Um, so I truly believe that we are going to get some great music down the road. Um, and then, yeah, I just that's the big thing is hopefully we can get live shows back. I know Brennan here at Bose is working on a couple of plans to, to, to do some stuff. Um, we've got some shows booked in early January already, so hoping that that's, um, you know, th that that will come to fruition. So, yeah, that's my big hope is we're going to get some good music towards the end of this and live shows are going to come back and we're going to be able, you know, it might look a little different. Um, right. But we're going to get together again and celebrate and right. just live the music. Good chance there'll be beer there. And there's a pretty good chance there'll be some great beer there. <laughs> All right, Peter. Well, thanks a lot for sitting down with us, and best of luck for the rest of 2020. This has been awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bird Drop, the Brutal Reality Digest online podcast. Make sure you're checking out our website, BrutalRealityDigest.com, for more captivating material. Until next time, stay brutal.